Welcome to the Business of Being Healthy, where we are passionate about treating our health as good as we treat our wealth. Shelly Bryan here, and I am obsessed with sharing real life experiences and wisdom to help save you time, heartache, and money as you continue to grow personally and professionally. Twice a week, we push aside that BS to take massive intentional action. And I promise by tuning in, you will receive the straightforward talk you've been waiting for, filled with actionable steps that will inspire you to achieve the health and wealth you desire while you are building your empire. Welcome back to another episode here on the Business of Being Healthy. Today's guest is one that I I think we got connected on social media, but we had a call and it was like, oh my gosh, I love what you do. Oh my gosh, I love what you do. This is so great. So relatable. It was just one of those that immediately I had to have Leah on the show. So I am incredibly honored to welcome Leah Garvin, who is a best-selling author of Unstuck. She's a TEDx speaker. She's host of a top podcast, Managing Made Simple, and team operations consultant with experience in leading, you know, maybe some brands that you could hear like Google, Microsoft, Apple, Bank of America. And she is the founder of a work of, excuse me, of workplace reframe business consulting firm. And we are going to get into this topic, Leah, of disruption disruption without destruction. So Leah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. Yes. Yes. Okay. So give us a little background. Like, I mean, that is such a diverse bio intro. However, I love the connection. I'd love for you to share how you got into this profession. Like, because you started in corporate. That's one thing that you and I shared. We kind of started in corporate before heading out into entrepreneurship. Yeah. So, um, as you call out, you know, I worked in team operations in, in big tech for about a decade. So I was driving, um, you know, making sure that folks understood deadlines and deliverables and really like how are teams getting their work done? Um, I did that across Apple, Microsoft, Google. And while I was doing that, I kept, I kept noticing the same kind of challenges come up and it was never that people weren't working hard enough or weren't like, you know, talented enough, or it was always like, little nuances around how work was getting done. Like things weren't clear or there was too many priorities or decisions were getting reopened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I would bring all these kinds of things up. Like actually <laughs> the, the project status isn't really the issue. It's all these other things. And, and when I was working in corporate, a lot of times folks would give me feedback like, Oh, are you like an HR person or wh- why are you bringing these things up? Like, let's just get the work done. And I thought to myself, well, we can't get the work done until we figure these people related things out. And, you know, I really liked what I was doing there, but I had this dream of really bringing it to more businesses and and really bringing these ideas to scale. So, um, gosh, a little over a year ago, I decided, so I, you know, in in the process, I wrote my book unstuck. I did a TEDx talk. I was thinking, you know, I think I want to become a consultant and, and do this in a different lens. So Mm -hmm. for, for smaller companies, but more of them and really help transform the way people got their work done. Um, and so, yeah, a little over a year ago, I left the corporate world, um, and, and launched my business full time. And, you know, as a, as kind of a type A, like used to the corporate world, like, liked the structure. Um, it was, really exciting to see how much I liked being an entrepreneur because I thought I was going to be like, oh my God, I'm, I need predictability. But I think it showed it was time. And I, 
I've really loved being able to dive in with small businesses, roll my sleeves and show them that when they make it easier for team members to get work done by bringing clarity around things like decision-making priorities, um, accountability, then they have team members are helping them grow their business. So it makes it easier for that business owner and they can scale so much faster. And it's kind of all the ideas I've always wanted to share in big companies, (laughs) but at a smaller scale. Well, and it's so funny because I mean, you like, we both work for huge organizations, right? So to make a change, it's not like you could come in and like, be like, okay, here's the new change and like implement it immediately. There was so many layers and processes and, and even words, like how we use the words and the email and all the stuff that I can imagine you coming out and doing this. It's like, you could take action immediately. Yes, exactly. Now, what is one of, you know, it's so funny outside of that, right. Going from very large scale organizations to, you know, small to mid, mid, uh, entrepreneurial companies. Yeah. Besides speed, what else have you seen as some of the like biggest differences? Hey there, absolutely love and incredibly grateful that you are listening to the podcast. Just want to let you know that if you ever want the video version, because sometimes it helps, it just resonates a little bit differently for you. You can check out my YouTube channel, which is absolutely free. I am sharing tips and experiences there weekly. So if you prefer video, go check it out. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy the show. I love that question. I think, um, that I think where, where business owners get stuck is thinking they have to do everything themselves. And I think managers in the, in the, in the corporate world can fall into this trap, but you have, you're kind of like, it's in a big company, you're really not left with all the decisions on your shoulders. So there's always like a little bit of checks and balances there. But I think one of the big differences is a business owner or founder or CEO, um, being way too involved in, in all the kind of day to day. And that's a shift that actually you mentioned speed that you can make really quickly by, um, you know, helping that person figure out what do they really need to be involved in and not just what they want to be and what they're comfortable being involved in, but like, what are the one or two kind of key decisions or areas they really need to be investing time and where can they delegate to team members or where might there be gaps where you don't have a team member doing it. You can't hire right now, but you still don't do that task or you do it, Mm -hmm. you know, at a lesser scale or, you know, only for the next few months or something like that. And so I think, you know, one of the, I would say one of the biggest things is the level of involvement that, you know, a business owner can have, um, I think, which often, um, it's, it like breaks that myth that we had when we started a business of thinking I'd have flexibility. I'd be my own boss. I have all this time. I can work wherever I want. Like we all of a sudden wake up and we see we're working more than we ever have. Um, we're more stressed than we ever had. We, we can't unplug. We can't, you know, take a step away from the phone or the laptop. We can't go on vacation without, you know, looking at everything. So I think that attachment to the work can be amplified when you're on the hook for it. And so that's a place I really love to dive in with business owners is showing them, you know, if you really bring your team members along on how to help you and how to be successful and you get really clear on what they need to do, they want to do it. And so it's a win-win all around. Well, and it sounds like you're even talking more about creating the the culture, right? The culture yeah. for growth of, yeah. of these organizations. And, and I could see that living it myself and, and talking yeah. to many other business owners is, I think that it's twofold. One, letting go yeah. of some control. And two, it's 
part of that letting go is also creating a culture of trust. Yes, right? absolutely. So that they, they can elevate up. Yeah. When Because I mean, I know my listeners are business owners or they're running teams right yeah. now, um, you know, within an organization. And that trust factor, I think, is just such an important piece that can be harder in a large organization because there's so much going on and, and HR and all the things. But in the small one, how can you help, you know, smaller business owners really create that culture of trust through, you know, um, different operations? Yeah. I love the question. And you called it out exactly. It is about trust. I mean, I think it's funny. I had an episode today for my, on my podcast around um, letting go. And, and, and a big thing is we don't always realize that it's about trust. We think, well, I hired great people. I like my team members. They're awesome. But when we are not letting go of things, there is a trust thing. Maybe we don't trust ourselves that we've hired the right people. We've set expectations, or maybe we're not good at delegating. So it's, it's exactly what you called out. And I think a couple of things I recommend to folks to build trust are, um, it can sound kind of tactical, but setting really clear expectations that gets all the stuff out of your head of like, I wish they would just do it my way, or I wish they could read my mind or why isn't it going this way? If you set that up up front and you share, Hey, here's what I need done. Here's where, I, when I want to check in on it to see progress, here's what done looks like. Here's what a great job looks like. Here's where I want to be involved. Here's where you can drive. When you map all that out, then you're now you have something to check back in on. And I think a lot of the trust issues are because we didn't set that expectation. And then we're checking with our team members and they're like, well, you asked me to do this thing. Why are you always asking me like what's going on with it? It's because we didn't set any parameters on it. And so when I work with business owners and through my program, the ops playbook, we map out what all of these different things are norms around decision-making. How do we want to delegate? You know, what, what are little expectations we want to have in our company so that you as a business owner feel like you've set it and now you can let go and, and build that trust. And, um, it's funny. I heard, um, the business consultant, like a real kind of, um, founding thinker in, um, organizational development, Ed Shine had this, um, saying that, you know, trust is based on predictability. And that was a really kind of eye-opening for me. I kind of thought it was based on, you know, yeah, you build a relationship and you care about someone, but actually we trust is really that we know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And we know, you know, if our manager says this thing and we do it, then that, that is still success, right? It's not a moving goalpost. And that's how you do build a relationship because you know, Hey, when I ask a question and I, they're not going to shoot me down or it's not going to be okay this time versus that time. So, um, setting expectations, make, making things really clear. That's why I create a playbook for teams on how to, how do we work in this company? Because that's the thing that you go back to and you build that predictability around. I really love what you shed, what you shared from this thought leader, because I do think predictability expectations is super, super important. And the, the playbook sounds like it's like a no brainer. It's, and I think it's twofold, especially for business owners, right? Because if you came from a corporate setting, you maybe had people that were reporting to you and then you had to report to other people. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it wasn't like your baby, right? Yeah. That you created exactly. from nothing. So the emotional attachment wasn't as great. Whereas a business owner, that's your baby, right? Yeah. And so I think setting the expectation is 
paramount whenever there is an issue, even in any relationship, husband and wife, friends, (laughs) business, like owner to employee, same thing. It all comes down to those expectations. But one thing that I think often gets overlooked, and I want you to, to maybe share some thoughts on this, is the business owner, they have to set and meet their expectations too, Mm, right? Because like we expect so much from our team, but if we're not leading in a way that they trust, like their deliverable is dependent upon us getting them what they need. And if we don't deliver, then they can't do it. So I think that it's like, it's a lot bigger. Oh my God. Yes. And that's one of the biggest things. And, and I, it's, it's devastating when I hear from business owners saying like, you know, I know I'm getting in the way, like I am the bottleneck. I don't know how to get out from under there. Like I don't, I'm letting my team down. I feel like, you know, I'm worried that I can't give raises or bonuses or hire more people. Like there is so much of that. And, and like you say, as a business owner, there's all these expectations on you, some of which you put on yourself, maybe, you know, some from investors, then your employees. So it can feel like, so much. And that's why it's like, we can't carry all that in our head. I mean, you cannot <laughs> do not try. And when I talk about operation, I know you and I talked about this in our, you know, meeting a few weeks ago is like, when, if like you have the why and the what as the business owner, you're the visionary, but you absolutely have to map out the how mm-hmm. and whatever that looks like, if it's a playbook, fine, if it's something else, great. But you like that all has to come together so that even you for yourself, as you say, if you're a solopreneur or as the business owner, you have to see, oh, does, is this something that I actually am working towards? Am I even working on that path? Is, do I have the right people in place? Do I have the right systems? Do I have, you know, do I need a business loan to cover this? Whatever it is. But when we're thinking like, I'm just going to run fast and figure out as I go, you can make so many missteps that will, would just save you so much time and money if you had actually thought about it. And, um, I was meeting with a woman that's a virtual CFO this, this week. And she made the point, you know, minutes are money. And when she lifts like the curtain or goes under the hood or whatever in a business, usually the things that are costing the, so the most money and really kind of like, you know, um, kind of burning the candle on both ends are inefficient team operations and like duplication of efforts or folks not understanding how work gets done. Or, you know, I always see meetings that are really unclear run over. There's these little shifts that if we kind of clean up all that, you're now able to reinvest thousands of dollars a month in your business. Oh my gosh. Meetings for meetings, like meetings yeah. to plan <laughs> meetings. I remember those. Right. I'd be like, is, is this, do we, are we earning bonuses? Like based right. upon how many meetings we have? I was like, what is going on here? How are yeah. we making money? You know, yeah. I just, I, I totally remember this. So that, that story definitely resonates with me yeah. from the corporate world. You know, one thing that I know that you love to help business owners with is creating strategies for building a great team for doing more with less. Yeah. I mean, sign me up. So take us through that process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now that's really everyone's goal, right? Between having to, you know, figure out an uncertain economy and we're kind of always expected to be growing and, you know, interest rates are high, like whatever's going on, we're always going to have to be doing more with less. And as a business owner, that's probably not new at all, but it's like, it's being talked about now more than ever. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I talk about how to do more with less, my goal is to help teams make it easier for work to get done. Because when work is easy, we can do fast, we can do it fast, we can do more of it. And it's not about burning people out. It's not about, you know, just 
saying, Hey, too bad. A team member left. Now you're doing two jobs. Deal with it. Suck it up. No, because we know people are quitting at higher rates than ever. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you can't get people to stick around if they don't want to do it. So it's not about that, but what keeps people staying and, and motivated is, you know, things like really appreciating recognition, giving positive feedback, helping people see what is their career path. Um, and so the kind of foundation of the team operations work I do is, is helping that business owner communicate their care for the team and what's in it for the team and how they are invested in their success. And when we roll out something like a playbook, it's not positioned as we're going to whip everything into shape or something. No, it's like, Hey, we've created a tool to help you be successful so that you understand, you know, what your, how your role fits into the bigger picture, that you are really key piece in growing the business, how that looks, how you're going to be rewarded based on that and how that works with how you're evaluated. And when team members see this, now they're bought in and they're invested. And I've seen it switch like a light switch that they go from thinking like, I'm just, you know, here to get a paycheck to seeing like, oh, I can bring ideas about how to grow the business. Hmm. Um, one company I was working with literally was a PR company and her, her, um, account managers, they were doing an awesome job at, at getting media wins and placements, but the business owner was doing all the heavy lifting on sales and, and client bringing in new clients. So we set an expectation with the account managers and said, Hey, part of your job is client retention and, and getting new clients. And so when you are in meetings with the clients talking about, Hey, let's look ahead six months and see what events are coming up or things that would really help for your business. And once we set that expectation within two weeks, her account managers had brought in like $13,000 of new business because they just knew it was, they were supposed to. So I think a lot of times business owners can start assuming their employees don't care or don't want to do something or have some skill gap. And I think a lot of times when we ask or set expectations or say, Hey, you know, I see you as someone that can grow the business. Let's talk about what that looks like. And I'm going to reward you when you do that. People will step up. Yeah. And it's, I love hearing this. And and again, it kind of, it, it, it again comes back to culture, right? Yes. Um, so in the book with uh, Simon Sinek, uh, the infinite game, have you read that one? Not that one, but so great. I'll link it in the notes. You guys have to read this book. He talks about his just cause and the just Mm -hmm. cause is like the visionary of the organization. It's it's bigger, right? Like using Walmart as one of the examples is, is bringing value-based like products to everybody, right? That you can do it. Well, and I, please forgive me. I forget I, I could see the name, but I cannot remember who created Walmart. And I should know this. Oh, Sam Walton. I think Thank you, Walton. Yeah. I was like, yeah. well, it, well, well, I was like, it's Walmart. Well, so it's like, it has to well, like go in there. Anyways, thank you listeners for sticking with me through that is once he stepped down and a new CEO came in, you saw like a full shift in the way that yeah. the just cause was spoken to publicly, right? And in a public Mm -hmm. company at that point, it's all about profits and market share and revenue. And it was all numbers and the culture died where they had to bring him back. They had to bring him back to turn the company around. Oh wow! This happened with, oh oh my gosh. I mean, there were so many examples like Walt Disney, same thing. You know, when we, we are, we are here to do business. We are here to solve problems, change the world with our business, but we're also here to make money and there's nothing wrong with that. And so while that is important to rally a team, it has to be bigger than the revenue and the profits and the market share. Exactly. And that's something I know Gary Vee talks a lot about, right? And his content is like, 
Hey, your employees are never going to care as much about the business as you. So you can't just rally them around making money. Cause that's really just like you making more money. <laughs> and you're like, well, people are on to that. So like you say, people have to be invested in a sense of purpose, meaning, feeling like their career goals can be met. And you don't have to be doing, you know, your company doesn't have to be, you know, saving the world or something to give people meaning. They just have to feel personally um, appreciated. Like their skills are value, you know, that they're solving interesting problems, that um, someone cares about their success, that, you know, when, you know, they work hard, it gets noticed. Like those are the things that make you want to stay. And so if we're doing those things as leaders, now we have team members that are invested, they're working harder. And back to your question, they're actually, they're able to do more because they're putting more effort in. Yeah. And you know, like uh, as business owners, we all, we all know the feeling when you want to work 24 hours a day because you are so freaking excited about the business. And we also know, you know, the feeling of when you're completely exhausted and you're like, I don't ever want to think about that. Anymore. Right. And so like, if we can get our team members closer to being in that excitement zone, being in that flow state when they see that they're, they're part of something bigger than themselves and their role. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something, it's so funny. Um, you know, reading that book, I called one of my friends that's still in the pharmaceutical industry. And I was like, I just wish these head organizations would read this book and like implement it, you know, because not that it's easy. I'm not saying it's that easy. Please don't take it that way. That being said, this is such as organizations grow and there's so many people, it becomes harder. And yeah. so by setting this foundation when you're small and not letting go of it, whether you, whether the company, the company goes public or whether yeah. you scale to, to such a great level, you have to remember where you started. And it's yeah. like making and helping people feel like they are part of the team. Like they are truly valued and heard yeah. and cared for. I mean, at the end of the day, we're making money. So like they can provide, if we do better as a company, everyone can provide for their family at a greater yeah. level. Exactly. And we right. can't lose focus of that. So I really no. love that. And you're so right on it being the culture, because that's the thing that is established at the beginning. And like you say, that sticks with a company and it's felt long beyond, you know, the founding moments of it. And so if you really get it right, like that can really be sustained. And I've seen teams that, you know, had a really strong culture before the pandemic things were really, you know, folks were working from home, but like people really wanted to be working together. They had a really cohesive team. And that team is one that I consult with still in, in big tech. Um, it's the only team that I have seen literally where every team ever wants to go in five days a week and see each other. Like it's shocking. It's like, oh, well, I love like this is unheard of. That's so, but because they did so much work on investing in the culture, on investing in really making sure everybody felt supported, everybody could share their ideas. They're doing, um, they're still working at like a very fast pace, very high stakes, like new technology. They're so they're not just chilling, right? <laughs> like they're still, they're working very hard. There's high expectations and they're supported. And so, like you say, I think the more entrepreneurs, small business owners are really leaning into some of these like leadership qualities that we only wish big companies could be, could be adopting. They're going to be setting the tone for, you know, the, the next generation of great, huge companies. And, um, I think we're in a really awesome moment where there's more of an understanding and appreciation because of folks like Simon Sinek and, and Adam Grant and others that really paint the picture of teams like can be extremely successful and profitable and extremely high functioning psychological safety, all that good stuff that can be the same team if you do these certain things. 
And when you're the decision maker in your company, you can literally implement all that like today. (laughs) And the thing is, is that you don't have to do it alone, right? Because like, it's a lot, like we're not sitting here just being like, oh yeah, just do this, create the great culture. It's so easy. And then everybody will be happy and the company wins and everyone wins. It takes work. I mean, it takes hard work, but it is such valuable work. This yeah. is like where I think that the true value can come into it and yeah. think about like the, the increased production you can get from a team that feels valued versus one that exactly. feels like a number. I saw exactly. it firsthand with one organization that I started with at like 200 million. And I stayed with them till they got to over 2.2 billion and the growth was phenomenal to watch, but the culture decreased mm-hmm. with the growth. Like they had an yeah. inverse relationship and it was something, it was, it broke my heart, you know, from, yeah. from the worldwide president knowing me could say my husband's name, my kid's name to the worldwide president, just knowing I ride horses. Like that's it. Not really knowing yeah. my name. Like those are qualities that ultimately the company plateaued. They had to do it like a big reorg, like all this thing. Like, and yeah. I could see now that I'm outside, you can see it. Yeah. And I think it's even yeah. studying these organizations and pulling, like, it's just like podcasting. You pull the best Pete, like pull mm. what you can learn. The lessons yeah. good, bad, or indifferent, yeah. but pull these lessons and apply them. Is there anything that you have seen with someone that's maybe struggling, right? Creating that culture, yeah. let's say to thrive, to grow, to scale, is there any like commonalities that you see of struggles? Yeah, I think a big one is, um, and I'm just going to call it like a lack of self-awareness and taking responsibility for how you're showing up as a leader. And I think my guess is as the company you described grew and grew, there was a little bit less of that because financially they're doing well. And so they think everything's fine. And I think a lot of times when I see a company really struggling that founder, that entrepreneur, that CEO is, is doing a lot of blaming other things. Like it's because this thing went wrong or I don't have the right people or this didn't. And they're actually not doing like taking stock of how they're showing up as a leader and how, you know, what are they doing? Like we talked about to delegate, to empower folks, to really be focusing on the right things. Um, I think a lot of times people can say like, oh, you know, this is just how I want it done. And Hey, like we said, cause it's your baby. Like, and you, you take that way too far. And so people don't want to work with you. Mm-hmm. And, and we forget that, you know, the goal of hiring people is so they bring kind of different ideas and perspectives and they actually elevate it past what we ever could have thought of on our own. And so I think there's a belief, I out there, like, I'm going to be the next Steve jobs and I'm just going to do it myself. Or, you know, I, I can be, but, but the reality is, you know, no one in any company did everything themselves. Steve jobs wouldn't have said that's how he worked either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no I one, think Wozniak would have a, a problem with that. comment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think one of the, if you're feeling stuck and you're listening to this, you're like, oh gosh, I, I keep, I, I'm not able to hire people. Things keep going wrong. You feel unlucky or there's different sort of I would say to take stock of, you know, how am I showing up? Am I really setting clear expectations? Am I really supporting my team members? Ask yourself some of these questions, no judgment, because you can always move forward and do things differently. And if you already have a team, I think it would build so much trust to to go in there tomorrow, you know, after you listen to this and say, Hey, I was doing a lot of self-reflection. I want to show it better for you. Like I'm open to feedback. Here's what I'm working on. I always suggest when you get, when you share feedback, you put something forward. So everyone's like, well, not like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so you say like, I'm working on these three things. I'm working on delegating better. 
I'm working on setting clear priorities and I'm working on giving more recognition. Can you hold me accountable to that? And you say that to your team. Oh my gosh. They're like, well, who's this? Like, <laughs> I want to work with that person. So you're demonstrating that self-reflection that you're aware of the issues and you're, you're asking for feedback. Yeah. This is really powerful to turn that around. So again, it's not too late. If you find yourself in that space, you know, put the invitation out to your team. Yeah. And listen, at the end of the day, this is, again, this book is so good. I'm linking it in my notes, but he, like, even when you start doing that and asking, you might get zero zero in the beginning because that safe environment isn't there. Yeah, You got to keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. And there will be one brave soul that speaks up and was like, Hey, I wish you did this more. Yeah. Just to echo that point. It's, it's so important that, you know, we don't do any of these things one time. It's not a one and done feedback is not psychological safety as you called out. So when we're building trust, that's the predictability, right? That you say, Hey, I'm going to ask for feedback and I'm going to keep asking for it because I want feedback. It's not like it's an, it has an expiration date on it. So as you say, like asking for feedback, giving the recognition, saying, you know, any questions for me, folks don't have any questions, but you keep someone maybe has to hear that like seven, eight times to be comfortable. That's okay. You know, I think when, um, I've talked to folks about having, you know, should I have one-on-ones with team members? Like how, when should I meet with people? What if we don't have anything to talk about? And I'm going to be totally honest. Like when I was a manager in the corporate world and I would be, and I had back to back meetings and I get to a one-on-one with a team member and they don't have anything to say. I'm like, do I have to go to this meeting every week? <laughs> like, well, you know, you're, I I've been there. You're You've been like, there. Yeah. Why? You feel I it. I don't want this meeting, but I had that meeting every week so that she would see I'm there for her when she needs something. And, and we started to actually, like, we moved from having nothing to say, and then maybe we would have a shorter version, but then we could work through. Okay. I'd say you know, next week, bring, bring something you're stuck on. Maybe she would, maybe she wouldn't. Okay. Where's, you know, what's something that you're interested in developing? Okay. Um, let's do an, ask me anything. Like if you want to learn about Mike, you're better. Like, kind of like keep putting feelers out there, give someone a chance. And, you know, when we show that we will consistently be there for our team members, they're going to show up for us and they're going to deliver better results. If we cancel the meeting, we show them that we don't care about them. Like literally <laughs> we say, I don't want to talk to you. I don't have time for you. Even if you say my door is always open, come to me. There's a power differential. People don't just come to you. Most people will think you don't want to talk to them. You're actually too busy and they'll just avoid you. 100%. It's so funny. Like as you're sharing some of the stuff, I'm like, all these memories are like hitting me. And I was just like, oh my gosh. But part of that, and that's one thing I want to call out here is no matter where you are in your business or your career, you have a past of incredible experience on what to do or what not to do. You know, I credit when, when I, when we had a restaurant here in town, I had 24 employees. I don't want to do that again. I don't recommend that to anybody, but no, I'm just kidding. But I learned how to create a good culture based upon the bad culture that I was in. And so I I just want to say, like, if you're like, I don't know how to do it, look to your past. What did you like about some of your past leaders? What did you not like? What do you wish they they did more? How did you feel best supported? And it might even be asking them, but you have like such, we we all have such a wealth of experience from our past that we can lean on in that time when we're like, I don't know what to do, like how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I say that to folks that are thinking about, you know, a career pivot or, you know, starting a business and they feel like, well, I'm so new. I don't have anything to bring. It's like exactly your point. 
everything you've done up to this point is something that will fuel like why you're going to be successful this next thing or why you're going to learn something or it's going to help make you decide what you want to be doing. Um, I, I think we often just believe we're starting from day zero. Like we hatch out of an egg when we start something new <laughs> and, and all that really varied experience is, is going to make your thing unique. Same mm-hmm. thing. If you're entering in a really crowded space that can make you feel like, oh, I can't add anything new here, but you don't have the same background as anybody else doing it. You don't have the same path. You don't have the same perspectives. You don't have the same learnings and the same, you know, it, it didn't affect you the same way as someone else. And so leaning on that and, and exactly the questions I love that asking what worked about this, what didn't, what it resonated with me, what, what did other people feel like really asking these kind of open-ended exploratory questions is going to help you figure out as you call it, how you want to show up as a leader, how to build a culture, how to approach a pivot, how to approach differentiating yourself in the market, all of those things. So, so important. All right. We have to talk about this topic of disruption without destruction. Yeah. What, what is that? How <laughs> do you, how do you do this? Let's talk about this. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I mentioned, you know, in my, in, in my corporate days, um, when I'd bring up like, you know, let's, let's look what let's differently, or let's kind of rethink how we set up, you know, team process and make it more simple and make it, you know, a lot of times I think that was viewed as, you know, rocking the boat too much or almost destructive. Mm-hmm. And it was really, you know, kind of devastating because none of the stuff we're talking about is destructive at all. <laughs> like, it's actually very helpful. Very but helpful. When you're operating within, you know, the existing structures and processes and things in place, um, it can look, it can be looked at as really, you know, it's not, you know, it doesn't belong there in a sense, or it should, but it's, it's looked at as yeah, destructive in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so when I was thinking about how do I want to approach my business, it's, you still need to disrupt how, how you're working, how you're thinking the places that you're stuck, but really reminding folks it's not destructive. And so disruption without destruction also reminds folks it's often really simple shifts that have the biggest impact. And so we talked about meetings a few minutes ago, like how expensive meetings that run on or have no purpose are, you know, if you set up, like, let's have every meeting have an agenda. It's sent out the day before. So folks know who needs to attend or not. We always five minutes before the end of it, talk about actions next step. And we never go over Like if you made that simple, simple shift, you're going to be saving thousands of dollars a month on like people time that's going over because no one like knew if the meeting was finished. So that's an example. Or if you have, you know, at the start of each week, you kind of have, you send an email, like here's the top three priorities for the business. Everyone, you know, send me an email if you're actually working on something else so we can make sure you're on the right track. Like that's a very simple thing you can do mm-hmm. that will, will make sure that someone's not spinning their wheels on the wrong thing. Another thing, a simple thing is, you know, having a folder directory, like on Google drive or somewhere where you have Dropbox, whatever that's, here's where we put documents (laughs) so that two people aren't creating the same thing, right? These are simple things that can feel disruptive, but they're in no way destructive because they just bring more clarity. And that's really my goal is to simplify it. You mentioned, you know, the language we kind of have to avoid. Like, I don't like to use the word process because everybody hates it. it's just learning opportunities. Yeah. This is a learning opportunity. No, it's extra work. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's simple. It's clarity. It's, you know, alignment and, and it really creates a better employee experience, which ends up creating better output. Which at the end of the day, that's the goal. 
right? Yeah. We want people to come not only like increasing production, meeting company goals and all of that, but like feeling like the work that they are doing is adding to the greater good. Yeah. And when there is all you said, simple and easy. When I said earlier, work is hard. Building a business is hard. It doesn't mean it can't be simple and easy. Yeah. It's just a lot of hard, repetitive yes. work. The more that we can make these simple for everybody, setting those expectations. I love. I started thinking when you were talking about the word disruption, and when you think about any business and anything, if you don't cause a little disruption, what that like? What right. problem are you solving? Are you, doing? <laughs> are you patting everybody on the back and giving them high fives yeah. and being like, "Good job, I'm yeah. out. Thanks for the commit. You know, thanks for the money." Yeah. Like. No, you kind of have to disrupt what's going on and disrupt isn't a negative word. It's all how you actually hear it based upon your feeling in the situation. So if you have that culture that's cultivated and like doing well and everyone feels good, disruption actually is exciting where if you have that culture that is poor and people don't feel valued and they feel like a number and the production is down, disruption can be a very scary word. Exactly. That's where it feels like destruction, right? Mm. And so- but you're right. I mean, the goal is to be disrupting a an industry, a line of business, a product line, whatever it is, a service. And, and so we want to be also disrupting the way we're working when it feels like we're not getting to where we want to get. And the first place, again, is to always look at how, how is work getting done? Is it, is it harder than it needs to be? You know, am I asking people for the same thing a million times? Is it, you know, what are the things I'm getting frustrated about as a business owner? So I said a minute ago, not to point fingers at your team, but also to be aware of like, where are things harder than it needs to be? Where are there bottlenecks on the team so that you can figure out where to kind of fine tune. And we all want that really at the end of the day, like we all want it to be easier, right? We don't want to work harder and get less. We want to work less and get more, you know, bringing it back. Exactly. Yeah. And like you said, we're solving hard problems, but how we work doesn't have to be hard. Mm -mm. And so you're so right. Like we are solving big, complicated, hard, challenging things. And we, you know, the strategy, all that, but the, like the day to day, the, the way in which we make decisions, like where to find information, like that should be the the easy things. Let's save the hard for the, you know, the big creative ideas. Yeah. Use your brain, like use your brain and your decisive power for, for that. Not yeah. for like, where the heck is this file? Who, yeah. who hit it in Dropbox? Why isn't yeah. it named properly? Like all this yeah. stuff um, yeah. that makes work hard. Now, I, one thing that I would love to ask you about, because I feel like I've, I, I've been talking to more and more guests that came from cor- corporate and then now have their own business. Yeah. Right. And I know you and I talked on a previous conversation just about one thing that you were a little bit surprised about when it came to having your own business was your health and how you've been able to incorporate it, but then also see results. Could you share a little bit? Absolutely. And I think um, this is a piece, like you said, I never really saw the relationship between, you know, when you're burned out in a job, when you feel like terrible, you get that. But I think the sort of high performance aspect and how you can really accelerate by having that dialed in has been so exciting and eye opening. And it's been really, um, I think between getting involved in things like breath work and meditation more for really being able to 
um, kind of manage my mindset and, and, and really, you know, reactivity and, and belief in my business, the combination of that and getting really in, you know, invested in, I go to F45, like the kick, the classes, I love it. You know, and like really building like a regular practice of like exercise and a community through that and all of, you know, really making sure I'm taking care of my mind and body along with, um, not focused on the business because I think we can get in like, Oh, I got to work 18 hours a day. I can't even stand up for my desk. And I find, you know, I have a walking desk. I, I, I like, so I can put my desk higher. I can walk when I'm just doing heads down work. I take walks outside. I go to the class every morning. And I think there's, and then I do breath work and meditation. Like this focusing on the whole thing allows you to be so much more resilient to setbacks, not thinking that every email is going to like life or death. <laughs> like, Oh God, if a client, you know, doesn't, sign with you. It's not like you're the worthless loser, you know, like you just build up so much capacity for the ebbs and flows of entrepreneurship. And, you know, I think, um, I feel really fortunate to have kind of found things like I had a little bit of practice of meditation, but finding breath work and some more of the more kind of holistic mindset work pretty early on, because I don't, I think, you know, I don't know if I would have had the same reaction about building my business if I, if I didn't have that. And if I wasn't moving my body every day and being active and feeling, you know, feeling really strong and centered and grounded, because like we said, this stuff is really hard. It is overwhelming at times. And we have to have our, you know, our stress management tools and our, um, and our go-tos for, you know, what do I need to do today to feel like I can tackle everything that's coming? Um, and I think a lot of, like, I go to class at six every morning because that's like this tone I want to set for the day Mm. that I woke up, even when I was tired, I got in there and I like crushed it. And now I'm ready for the day. And if you're not a morning person, maybe you have a different, like, you know, schedule, whatever. But like, I think, getting that consistency that also has helped me really show up for my business too. Which I I really appreciate you sharing that. And the one word that you said that I hope our listeners got. So if you didn't, I would encourage you to go back and listen is capacity, increasing your capacity because your capacity is set at one level when you're an employee of an organization. And when you are now the leader of this organization and all answer, all things are going through you before you build a team, your capacity has to expand. And it's not necessarily a new skill that you have to get, right? Like you don't need to become better at Google drive or become better at, you know, zooms. Like you actually, it's, it's you, you it's investing in you increases your capacity. And I love it. It's like, effort, you got to find what works for you, but those things being a stress reliever, as well as increasing your capacity to perform because it's you now, right? I mean, everything's on you. Exactly. And like, I love that you call that out, that it's a, that it's not something that you just say, I, I'm going to increase my capacity now that it comes through, you know, really creating that space and that, um, you know, that regular, like reinvesting in it because yeah, I mean the, 
the, you know, they say, you know, the, the more you grow, the challenges get bigger, right? Like the more, you know, revenue you want to get, then the problems only become harder. And so it's never going to be like, we're going to always have to be building more capacity for what we want to do. And if we haven't figured out, well, what are the things that I have to do every day? Sometimes it's for some folks, it's a morning routine for other folks, it's whatever, but, but really knowing that and being pretty, um, protective of that time, you know, and saying, Hey, this is maybe you have to say to a a partner or, you know, family or friends, like, this is kind of my non-negotiable time. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, I need to be, you know, taking this time to do this regardless of what else is going on, Mm -hmm. because when we start giving up, and I think, especially for women business owners, if you're a mother, like you've all these things that are pulling different ways. I hear a lot of times from, from folks that like, I don't have time to do everything I'm pulling. And and I get that. And so I think setting boundaries, figuring out what is the, what's the support that you need? Do you need to have a babysitter come in? You know what I mean? Like one hour in the evening, do you need to do meal delivery? Do you need something so that you are able to reclaim some of that time that helps you feel really strong and build that capacity? I mean, seriously, Leah, like, thank you so much for calling that out because time is probably the biggest, um, or more, most often excuse that is succumbed to, yeah. right? Is I don't have time or I'll do it when. Yeah. And when never comes, yeah. it's setting it there. And it could, I know that you called out like family members, um, you know, your spouse or whoever you're with. Yeah. It's also your business. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I don't take meetings past four o'clock. Yes. Clients, I don't take meetings past four o'clock because this, you don't have to give them a reason. But you right. know, this is your time to now go change and go to the gym on your way home or whatever yeah. it is that you go exactly. do, go to your F45 class, go to your yeah. dance hip hop class, yeah. like whatever it is, but that's yours and put it on that schedule. I mean, that's again, showing up as a leader, creating a culture, you, you investing in you is only going to reap incredible dividends. And, yeah. and I love that you shared this because you just did it. You just you know, have built this business and saw the effects of yeah. investing in yourself. Yeah. And and like you called out being, you know, having those time boundaries, I've, I've coached a lot of business owners through, you know, having every minute of the day available for meetings and which is like, you know, having the scarcity mindset that if like, if I'm not available, then I'm going to lose business or people are going to, it's like, it actually has the opposite effect. If you're always available, people might think kind of like, you must not be that busy. It kind of <laughs> sends a message or it sends a message that, your time isn't valuable. Mm-hmm. And so it's really actually like the, the relationship you you know, that your client wants to have is with someone that sets boundaries and does high quality work and also is, you know, respects themselves and is respected by their clients. Right. So yeah. I think, you know, setting those boundaries, figuring out, um, you know, what does that time look like and not being afraid to, you know, be really clear on that is, is really important because that scarcity mindset starts getting your head. It starts becoming the reason things didn't work out when it has nothing to do with it. You know, like, oh, it's because I wasn't available. It's because I had this word in the contract that they didn't like. It's because of this, you know, we, we make these reasons and that's actually, things have nothing to do with those things. It's because we believed that like we created this problem for ourselves. So yeah. boundaries are really a, a remedy for that. 
Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Well, Leah, I got to tell you, this conversation has been so much fun. Um, I know that I pulled, I pulled a bunch of memories. I pulled a lot of tips from you and I'd love for you to just share where's the best place for everyone to follow along with you. Yeah. So I'd say on my website at leahgarvin.com. So that's L-I-A-G-A-R-V-I-N.com. And there you can learn more about the ops playbook, you know, other work that I do with teams. I do workshops, one-on-one coaching, group coaching, and build out this team operations playbook for small businesses. Um, or you can follow me on Instagram at leah.garvin or message me on LinkedIn. Same thing, LinkedIn slash Leah Garvin. I love it. I love it. Okay. I will link everything in the notes. Leah, thank you again. Like you are a wealth of knowledge and you just poured our heart, your heart into this show. And so we thank you and can't wait to keep following along to see all the great things that you're going to do. Thank you so much.